Welcome to Football on the 40. I'm your host, Jake Robinson. We also have our producer, Hamilton Lizer, co-hosts, Andrew Harris, Kevin Mathis, and newly married, Bo and Kai. Bo, how does it feel? Thanks for the intro, Jake. Feels great. You know, like we were saying on the podcast earlier last week, we got married last year, but we celebrated this year. You know, we had our whole reception and ceremony. So it's like getting a booster shot. And I got the J&J vaccine, so I needed a booster shot anyway. So I feel extra married now. It's great. All the guys here had a great time, too. And it was awesome seeing all the love and support from everyone. So, yeah, had a great time. Man, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to thank you again, Bowen, for getting married, especially on the same day that we scored 70 overall. Uh, because of your wedding and the game Saturday was probably my most emotionally healthy day of the year. Uh, I started the day very high, very happy. Uh, just so grateful that the horns were blasting tech. And also, you know, during speeches in your ceremony, I cried a little bit and, and was very reflective and it, I had the full spectrum of emotions and it would not have been that way without you. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Kev. The toasts are great. I, I love the toast. Uh, I got to ask you a question, though. What venue was better, Zoom or the place in Lockhart? Oh, that's a tough one. I got to go with the place in Lockhart. The sunset was beautiful. Nice breeze. Texas victory. I don't know if there was a game during our, our Zoom ceremony. I don't think there was, but yeah, can't complain. It was a, it was a great night. All right, well, let's get to it. We're going to move into our first segment that we do every week where we recap the previous game. Let's start off with our overreaction observations. All right. I can, I can kick us off. I have a few observations and they're kind of all random. Um, The first one is, is Arkansas the best team in the nation? I mean, (laughs) based on their performance, well, against us, obviously, and just against A&M too. I mean, this isn't an Arkansas podcast, but just who knows, man, they've been climbing the rankings and maybe we're not as bad as we actually look against them. The second observation was, I can't believe this was our first pick six since 2017. I mean, that is, that is such a long drought without pick six. Um, That was, that was wild. And then my last one I'll go over is something that I've observed was like, I feel like Bijan has like in like RPG games, you get like these armors and like these weapon equips. And I feel <laughs> like Bijan, whenever he touches the ball, he gets like a plus four yard bonus whenever he gets it. And I'm so like conditioned to just expect like three or four yards of carry. And then he'll just like bust a spin move or just bounce off a defender and just tack on like a three or four extra ones. And it just like surprises me every time. And it's just, so so awesome to see kev what about you what what did you see he's always got he's he's always got more in the bag which is so fun for me i felt like finally i'm i'm building trust in steve sarkeesian um i paid a lot of attention during the game and after watching highlights of just the variety of play calling that he had and i was extremely pleased with the different ways he was able to attack the tech defense effectively just in the first quarter. Um, The different types of plays and different flows we got into in our first three drives were all sort of unique. 
And what wasn't, you know, different from the drives is they were all effective. We were moving the ball very well and staying on schedule on first and second down, especially. Um, I noticed, I guess, halfway through the game that Jordan Whittington, like, must have misbehaved the week prior because he was in motion so often. The guy legitimately probably ran five miles during the game on the field while the clock was running. Um, so I'm enjoying the motion and the ways that Sark finds advantages pre-snap and throws the defense off pre-snap. Um, he's just bringing so many creative things that we didn't see with Tom. So, um, of course, after two wins, I'm feeling better now about the coaching change. But um, my overreaction is, you know, like this, this is Steve Sarkeesian. That's Steve. And I love Steve. <laughs> um, obviously, Wait, Kev, was, Kev, was, Kev. <laughs> after, after Arkansas, what did you say about Steve? Um, what did you say about Coach Sark after Arkansas? I was off the Sark bandwagon. I was looking for an all-electric vehicle. I didn't want any more gas. And I was, I was angry. I left the group text, and I was off the Sark bandwagon. Um, you know, it's, it's, like a, it's like an on-again, off-again relationship for me and Sark early on in the season. But after this game, for sure, feeling better about Sark. Uh, the last overreaction I have is that Casey was absurdly productive. And we talked about this uh, yesterday, but Casey had six touchdowns total. And while he was in the game, uh, they basically took him off the field in the red zone and let Roshan Johnson score from the Wildcats. So Casey still had six touchdowns and he was kind of MIA at the end of a couple drives as Roshan, you know, bull rushed into, into uh, the end zone. So it was amazing for Casey and it like almost could have been better, which is weird to think about, but yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of where, um, that's kind of where I'm with, with my overreaction. Um, I am starting to come around to think that the peak of Casey is already the better, uh, is already better than the peak of Sam. Um, which is kind of crazy because Sam did so much for our program, got us out of quarterback hell. Um, and, you know, we have to owe such a great debt of, debt of gratitude to Sam for what he did for us. But um, I don't know. It's something with Casey. He's not the best thrower of the ball. Uh, a lot of times on deep passes, the, the, it's not a tight spiral. Um, but he has that eight quality that Daryl Royal always wanted in a leader, and especially leaders of his team. Um, and that's really hard to find. You either have, you have it or you don't. And I think Casey does. Uh, 11 touchdowns and 11 drives. I don't care who the competition is. Um, in order to do something like that, um, you have to have some special intangible quality about you. Um, you can't just be all talent um, at this level of football. So, um yeah, and, you know, after a minimum of two games, he has the highest winning percentage as a starter at, at the University of Texas. So take that as you, as you may. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I Not still, much I of still, a stat. I mean, I still remember in the Herman era, I just I just looked it up too because I, I couldn't remember the exact score, but we played Tulsa close. Like that, we won 28 to 21 against Tulsa under – Tom, you know, like that's that's the kind of score lines we were talking about in the past. I remember that game well because that was coming off of the Maryland loss, and 
I think we just went back and ate ice cream and did not watch highlights. I'm pretty sure after that game, Will Galindo was like, we suck on a hot mic. (laughs) (laughs) David happened to the next week. We uh, kicked USC's butt. David and I were were reflecting on that game this past weekend, and he was laughing at how we were sitting in the upper deck, and during the Tulsi game, I was looking at the edge, and I was like, David, I'm just going to walk off. (laughs) This is not going well. Dang. Um, Man. Yeah, I don't know if this is an overreaction or just a standard reaction, but tech sucks, and I really hope locked into a 25 or 50 year uh, agreement playing them every year when uh, we're in the SEC because no positives will come out of that win and only um, <laughs> the inevitable loss every three years. All right, so we're gonna move on. Um, gonna move on into the mistake fire keep section this is where we uh talk about a mistake we saw during the game a coach we would fire and um um a player or a player group that we'd keep so i'll i'll kick it off um my mistake is i i I didn't love to see the d uh let 35 points uh go onto the scoreboard after we the game from the get-go uh you gotta you gotta stay on the all gas no breaks and uh you know, 70 to 10 win would have felt even better than a 70 to 35 win. So that's my mistake. Um, fire uh, in, in line, in that line. Uh, I don't know if I even know how to say his name. Pete Quia Tukowski or something. Or defense. Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. <laughs> I've tried to say it so many times. Kwiatkowski. Um, <laughs> We're almost halfway through the season. That should be rolling off the tongue by now. <laughs> I got Ui Ungalaleli finally, but that's not even <laughs> our guy. Um, so when we fought, when we hired him, we heard all about how he hadn't allowed more than 35 points in any games at Washington. Uh, and we have more talent than Washington does on D. And in four games, that's already happened twice. So, you know, he could be fired this week. But I do think there's still a lot of upward potential on defense, so we'll see. And then keep uh, – as a former middle school offensive lineman, I got to say, it was sure nice to see um, see our backs moving. And, of course, that's credit to Bijan and the other running backs. Um, but the big boys up front played well this game, and I think they needed that as a confidence booster after uh, how bad they looked at Arkansas. So, No, definitely. Um, that's one of the better games are uh, – our offensive line uh, has played not only this year, but in recent memory, in my opinion. Um, and maybe that's due to tech, but um, no matter who you're playing, you got to give credit to give credit to the line there. Uh, my biggest mistake in the game, uh, Brendan Schooler running into the uh, Sean Jamison. That's something that looked like middle school play. Uh, pretty embarrassing and, Thankfully, we're up by several scores at that point. But, um, yeah, that just kind of reminded us of the last 10 years of Texas football. Um, and, yeah, so uh, schoolers apply those breaks. Breaks are not bad in that situation. Uh, Got to fire someone in the secondary. Uh, I am, am pretty pro Blake Gideon. I can't say that for everyone on this podcast. So I, I'm going to fire the other secondary coach, and uh, he's – more in charge anyway, Terry Joseph. Uh, you can't teach your players uh, to run into each other. Uh, so 
yeah, you can't do that and expect to keep a job. Uh, and lastly, player to keep an eye on, um, Deshaun Jameson. He, throughout this year, and I, a lot of times last year too, you just felt like he was about to break one for a touchdown in, on special teams. He just hasn't crossed that barrier yet. Um, but I just think in the next two to three games, he's going to return either a kick return or punt return for a touchdown. It's going to be a huge momentum play. Um, I can see it something in a couple of weeks from now. Um, don't want to talk about that game yet um, because I don't want to overlook the game ahead of us. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he's about to score a touchdown on special teams, and it's going to be great. Yeah, I feel like we're we're, like, really – lucky that we won and we blew this game out because if we lost that was going to go on every highlight every espn morning show of just a gif of schooler and jameson colliding heads so that really worked out in our favor um for me i think mistake wise i know andy talked through the one of the schooler and jameson so i'll pick a new one and i'll i'll go with tech um i have Matt Wells as, as a big mistake for going for it on his own 35 yard line when it was pretty early in the game. I think they were down two scores, maybe three, but it was still so early. And just seeing that it wasn't even fourth and one, it was like fourth and two or three even. Um, so I took, I took some time today to look at um, the tech post game presser on YouTube. And I'm, I'm reporting from enemy lines here. That video had 38 likes, 92 dislikes. Some of the <laughs> notable, some of the notable <laughs> YouTube comments that I saw, um, I had three. So one is, why is he giving a press conference? Why is he not filing for unemployment? The second one, we should have backed out of the deal when he couldn't pronounce tortilla at his introductory press conference. It's only gotten Yikes. worse since then. Remember when Kirby said he was going to hire an elite coach? LOL. Okay. And then this last one, my personal favorite, Wells, two L's for every W. Name checks out, loser. <laughs> There's just so many levels to that. I, mean, I had to read that twice. I was like, what does that mean? Tech is like three and one right now. I mean, yeah. that it's fine. Well, that's, <laughs> but That's even generous because uh, it's really one for every three in the last... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. But that that's my biggest mistake um, for going forward on his own 35. I yeah. And then as far as fire, I guess I'll take Blake Gideon. I mean, his position group, those players did not show up. I know it's like the tech air raid, but still. Um, it was against the backup quarterback who get doesn't even get the you know primary reps. Like that was that shouldn't have happened. And I get that. I mean, I think Sark was saying earlier this week or last week that. He's the big 12 champ guy. Like he's like, Hey, raise your hand in the room. If you want a big 12 title and only Gideon can raise his hand, but is that it? It's that's, that's his, that's his role. <laughs> he's yeah, got to, he's got to get the DBs ready to play. So definitely, definitely firing. A bad, a bad showing against tech is, is kind of unfortunately Blake Gideon's MO based on his <laughs> on-field performance when he was at school, maybe, Andy could bring that up in one of his Texas history segments. <laughs> okay. Blake yes, Gideon we, highlight reel, low light reel. We, we all know the blunder, but he actually had a pretty good career in Texas. Um, <laughs> shout out to the white DBs out there. 
<laughs> he made he made Dylan Haynes look bad. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he was significantly better than Dylan. <laughs> All right, and then my last one uh, to keep an eye on. Um, I want to highlight Jordan Whittington's performance. He had a great first game against Louisiana. Caught for over, I think, 130 yards, something like that. But he had some pretty quiet performances against Arkansas and Rice, and notably against Arkansas, he had some pretty key drops. I mean, Card was kind of slinging it out there everywhere, but he had some pretty, you know, momentum momentum drops. And it was really nice to see him show up on Saturday. He had five catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. But I thought more importantly than that, like a lot of his catches, they were on critical third down plays. I was going through them again. It was like on third and medium distance. So out of the 10 third down conversions we had, he accounted for three of them. And like Kevin was saying, they used him a lot in the motion as well. Scored that touchdown off that jet sweep. And then on a fourth and four, when Bijan just kind of had that, hit that little, I guess that leak out, leaking out of the backfield, they brought Whittington across on motion too. I wonder how, how many more times we're going to get away with that play before they notice, but I really loved seeing him show up and, um, definitely hope to see him build on that as we develop and head into a, a really tough October slate of games. So I'm um, keep continuing to keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. Did y'all see what uh, the tech message boards, uh, who they want for their new coach? No. Who? Uh, they want the hot, do they want the hot guy back? <laughs> they want our brows back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Um, that would be insane if he came back. So, I think we'd need to open some uh, investigations into him if that happened. At the yeah, talk, talk about controversy. And I hope we are out of the Big 12 before he comes back because that guy's a good coach. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, that leaves me, right, though? So the, the mistake that I captured – here in my prep and I won't spend too much time on it because we've really dogged on the secondary and what was a great game uh, was Deshaun's press coverage woes. Um, so before the game, we were anticipating that Deshaun, Deshaun would be sort of put on an island because we were going to double Izakama, their number one receiver the whole game. And I think it was a sensible strategy to go with for PK on defense. So Deshaun, our number one cornerback with a lot of experience was forced to, you know, one-on-one cover man-to-man their number two and three receiver a lot um, on his own side of the field. He was playing up very closely to those receivers, trying to be aggressive early on in the play. And both of the long touchdowns, they just ran by Deshaun. He didn't get a hand on them in the first five yards of their route. And because of that, they just passed by him and, you know, went for six. Uh, Deshaun got pretty damaged on one of those plays with Brandon Schooler laying the wood, unfortunately. But, yeah, that's my mistake for the game. Deshaun needs to get more pressure on wide receivers before they um, really start their route and get their speed and legs under them. Um, Today, I'm going to fire Jeff Banks. So Jeff Banks is responsible for our special teams. And – I could not be more disappointed with our productivity from our punter in the last two games. Um, We, you know, we take pride in our punters performances and our sort of PBU after the goat Michael Dixon had just such an incredible season and actually won MVP in the bowl game. 
And I think we're squandering leg talent because uh, Dicker, the kicker has literally zero productivity at punter in the past couple of weeks. And, and I think that, you know, he's not being coached well. He's not getting opportunities. So um, I'll be firing a coach every week. It's uh it's nothing personal, Jeff, but you're fired. And I'm going to keep who I am going to call the three musketeers. So as we know, we have an embarrassment of riches at running back. Uh, Roshan Keelan and Jonathan Brooks as backups to Bijan are just incredible. We have a lot of depth in that room. Um, and obviously we're the Bijan show right now, but all three of Bijan's backups are actually getting more yards per carry than Bijan, which is one of the wildest stats I found when I was prepping for today. Um, sure, some of them might be jump time runs against, you know, second string defenders in the first quarter in these last few blowouts. Um, but Bijan is at 6.2 yards per carry. Roshan's actually at 8.2 yards per carry, which is a whole two yards above Bijan. Keelan's averaging 7.6, and even Jonathan Brooks is averaging more YPC than Bijan at 6.9 yards per carry. So I'm keeping the three Musketeers. All right. Kev, say one nice thing. So it's easy to say a nice thing after this game. I'll take the obvious route and say we didn't lose to Tech. Um, a lot of us were concerned about that game because of Tech's, you know, productivity on the offensive side of the ball, and they came into this game 3-0. and So I really do think that that was um, a good win for the boys. We didn't lose to Tech, and the overs club hit it, and I'm excited about that. Just, just so our listeners know why we have to ask that question every week, uh, Kev is very pessimistic um, when it comes to <laughs> – Texas football going downhill. So anytime we have the chance, we uh, make sure he keeps his spirits high. And uh, I've been hurt so many times. I have to, I have to guard my heart against the burn orange sometimes. So yes, I, I will remain salty and I'm constantly finding ways to moderate my expectations. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my one nice thing. We didn't lose to tech. All right. And before we start to look forward uh, to next week, uh, just just got to ask, this one hurts a little bit to even ask, but is this the peak of the Texas football season? Bowen. No, it better not be. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right, I don't think it is. I genuinely don't think it is. Um, we are going into a tough, tough slate of games in October, like I mentioned before, TCU, OU. I mean, th those are going to be tough, but no, this is not the peak. Andy? Uh, no, because we're winning the Big 12 championship. So putting that out there. Yeah, gosh, I hope not. I I'm going to go with no as well. Optimistic Kev, what do you think? I think when the season's over, regardless of what happens, we won't see beating Tech as our defining win. Um, however, we need to be ready for our momentum to be broken midseason. So this might be the most confident that we are all season and the best that we feel. Um, but I, but I don't think this is the peak of the season. That's fair. It's a good take. All right. Thank you all for listening this far. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode of Football in the 40 is brought to you by Kai Money. Steadfast, rugged, dependable on third down. Kai, if you're out there, please reach out to us on our social media. 
we have a lucrative $75 NIL deal with all the perks waiting for you whenever you want it. Come build your brand. Texas by 40. And we are back with a legendary Longhorn moment. Uh, do y'all know the last time we beat TCU at TCU? Uh, before we were born? No, it's not true. <laughs> it, I don't 2011? In the Big 12, have we? We have done it once in the Big 12. We were sophomores at the time in 2013. Um, yeah, so it's been almost uh almost a decade eight years now so it's uh, been a while quite embarrassing uh but yeah so there's one memorable thing that night and i don't know if y'all remember this but there was a three hour rain delay uh hopefully that's not a preview of things to come um but yeah so um it was the year before tcu had their kind of magical season where they Honestly, I thought they should have been in the playoffs that year. They barely lost to Baylor uh, in Waco. and uh, But in the 2013 season, they weren't very good. I think they were like around four and eight, something like that. Um, but, yeah, so we um, – it was during uh, times where we were led by good old noodle arm, uh, Case McCoy. Um, <laughs> he he led us to a 30-7 to seven uh, victory uh, to that game, um, and so yeah, after the after the rain delay, I think we were up like seventeen to seven, and before the rain delay, and we just kind of put it into cruise control um, at that time. But that might uh, be other... my favorite nickname that we have for a player, <laughs> Noodle Arm. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Uh, do y'all want to know, or do y'all know who the leading rusher was for that game? Just take a guess if you have no idea. Daniel Young. Jonathan Gray. I don't even know if he was there in 2013. <laughs> Jonathan Gray was there. Kev, Daniel Young is still on the team. How could he have played eight years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Red shirt. Red shirt. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Brown was the COVID leading year. rusher of that game. Um, okay. So, um, yeah. So, oh, wait. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. So you did get it right. It was Jonathan Gray. He got 94 yards, 22 carries for 94 yards. Um, let's just say Bijan has done a little better than him this year on a yard per carry basis. Uh, do, then lastly, do y'all know who um, the leading receiver was? Nothing. Okay, Marcus Johnson. Um, he had a good little stretch. Um, during that part of the season, he had a big game against um, Oklahoma, and um, he had a good game against TCU, too. Uh, one more memorable thing about that game is that it was the start of the Swoops era in Austin. So Swoops, there it is. Uh, he got his first playing time, and it was controversial at the time because that ruined his redshirt eligibility for that year, um, which Mac didn't care because he was about to leave. So, um, yeah, that was Max last year. So we've been we burned that red shirt. <laughs> we uh, we've burned uh, through two other coaches during that time. Um, so we're on our third coach since Mac, and still haven't won at TCU. So hopefully we reverse the trend. This wow! Week. Wow, that's that's a great segue into our uh, preview of this upcoming game and. 
you know what are what are our thoughts going into it are we excited nervous scared apathetic you know insert whatever emotion you're feeling going into this game and a little bit of a brief preview for what you would like to see this week i am terrified so let's ramp up nervous and go with terrified um definitely not apathetic because we have so much momentum going into this game so uh, i'm back i'm not tuned out anymore <laughs> on this team uh, but i am i am very concerned just because of who coaches um, the dark side up there in Fort Worth. Gary Patterson has our number and always has, and he's our daddy. And I think some things will never change. He's a very talented coach. And um, I think that he's setting us up for disappointment this weekend. So uh, just based on, you know, I'm informed by recent history and that does not look great for us this weekend. Also, uh, last week I was, you know, acknowledging that our team hasn't proven to us that they can play on the road yet. So I'm, I'm very concerned. So are you a 10 on a nervous scale right now? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go 10 um, because I'm sure I will feel worse at some point pregame <laughs> at, <laughs> in this season. <laughs> but I'll go, I'll go 7.9 on on the terrified scale yeah wow i think that's the that'd highest be, rating so far yeah that'd be a pretty big earthquake so yeah. um <laughs> so yeah that's, just, that's a pretty so, big i think for me i'm i'm actually pretty excited now with tech behind us i was more nervous last week because it's just the first game and i think i'll always have some level of nervousness but it would be really awesome to see sark just slay the Patterson dragon in his first season. It would have been really nice to get, to have that ranking next to us. I know we were like 26th, right. In votes, but it's kind of nice. I think going into this game with, without that number. So we don't um, get complacent along with just the thrashing that the senior defensive backs took against tech. I, I think that will allow us to, to have a, a, a bit of a chip on our shoulder too. Um, so hopefully we won't fall asleep at the wheel there. I would say I'm probably a, probably at a five five. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm very. Oh, do you have more to say, Buff? Oh no, I was just gonna ask you, Andy. What do you think? I, I'm at a pretty similar level to you, Bo. Um, it's I'm I think I'm gonna go for a solid five. So equally nervous but excited at the same time. Um, I really feel like this has the same type of feeling as the 2018 Texas-Kansas State game. Um, we played at Kansas State the week before OU that year. And up to that point, Kansas State really had our number. Um, we've been we've beaten them the year before, but I think it was like almost – no, it was longer. The, it was like a 16-year stretch up to that point since we've beaten Kansas State at Kansas State. And um, so twice as long as uh, our drought in Fort Worth right now. And this, I think we all knew in our hearts that we were better than that Kansas State team, but we didn't know that we could beat them until we saw it. Um, and so I, I fully believe we are better than TCU. I know you can't really look into the game last week at SMU too much, but just overall their season 
hasn't looked too great, uh, especially defensively. And I just think I just think we should win. And um, I just saw stats this like yesterday or Saturday that we're number five in the country right now and uh, fewest penalty yards allowed, um, which that's completely opposite of how we were under Herman. And so if we continue that trend, if we continue the ability to not make mistakes and just play within ourselves, I, I think we're going to win. Um, but until we do, we're going to have some nerves in this game. Um, but if we do win, um, the following week, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so for sure, I'm really sure. excited about that. I just want to jump in and shout out to some of my Kansas State fans. I went to the game in the Little Apple in Manhattan. I believe it was 2016. It was the last time that we went up there and lost. And you wouldn't think it, but their game day environment there is, is really loud. Those fans at Kansas State hate Texas. And I, I love the comparison to uh, Kansas State there, Andrew. I think that, that they are pretty comparable. And we've got uh, spooky experiences up in Fort Worth, similar to Manhattan. Yeah. Um, well, we've learned that everyone hates us. That's saying. <laughs> but no, I'm extremely nervous for a lot of reasons. Um, I think, first of all, this is the first road game in the Big 12 since we've left. So just kind of seeing what the environment's going to be like, or since we've announced that we are leaving. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what the road environments are going to look like this season in the Big 12. Just there's just so much hate. There was so much hate at Arkansas, and like we haven't played them in two decades. So I'm just curious to see what that looks like. Um, like y'all said, going into OU four and one would, would with some hype, you know, and a number next to us would be a lot, a lot more fun than uh, another loss before OU. And then uh, one thing I'm looking at this week is uh, the weather forecast. Uh, Andrew mentioned the game back in 2013, but uh, it's supposed to rain all week in Texas, like starting tomorrow, all the way through the weekend, five, six, seven, eight inches are possible. And so uh, on Saturday, it's actually one of the peak days right now it's looking like. So we might be headed for some rain delays or, uh, you know, a slugfest in the, in the water. Do you so, think there will be a lot of lightning with these storms? It's kind of too far to say. And it's not going to rain all the time. It's going to be off and on. So maybe we catch a break. But I did pull up the National Weather Service forecast because the weather app sucks. And the National <laughs> Weather Service says – 60% chance right now, which five days out or uh, four days out is um, really high. So, That's and they're saying good. thunderstorms possible before so, 1 p.m. and likely after 1 p.m. And a thing to consider. One thing about the, one thing about the, <clears throat> thing about the, the rain throughout the week here that could really work in our favor and help Bijan especially coming out of uh, their loss to SMU and the planting of the flag. I think that a soggy field is really going to help Bijan because when he plants the flag in the middle of the field, if we do win, the ground will be soft and it'll probably stick. You know what I mean? It's turf, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's grass. Is it? Yeah, it's grass. Did not know that. It's yeah. a new stadium. It, it, would be, uh, it would be quite – yeah, even if it rains a lot this weekend, doesn't even rain during the game, it, the field would probably still be pretty foggy. Yeah. So. No, I I uh, used to live in Fort Worth, and I went to a game there, and uh, it was not fun. We lost twenty-one to three. So, hopefully that uh, doesn't 
can happen again. For, um, for the listeners out there, if any one of us is in attendance at an away game, uh, we're likely to lose that game. We have a horrible record of attending games on the road. <laughs> before we move on, first of all, is anyone going to this game? No, right? Cam, you better not be going. SMU Law School has a alumni thing, so I might be going to that instead, but I'm really tempted. I'm curious uh, if y'all know your records off the top of your head. Uh, after Arkansas, I'm at, sitting at one and six on road at True Road Games, not counting OU. If we count OU, I'm like two and ten. I I believe I'm one and five, not counting OU games. Yeah, for me. Are y'all talking about just like all time? Yeah, all time True Road Games. Not bowls not included. Bowls not included. Okay, give me one second. I'm gonna look it up because I ha- I actually have this tracked. Um. I think I'm like, I've never gone to a, an away game where we've won. I'm pretty sure I'm 0 and 4 or 0 and 5. Pretty bad. Yeah, I in the first uh, in the first decade of college football I went to, so the 2000s, I only saw Texas lose once during that time, and since then. For true road games, uh, since 2010, I've only seen Texas win once on the road. And I went to about six or seven games in 2000s, and I've been to about eight or nine now. So pretty bad, pretty stark differences. Yeah, not not great. But yeah. we all know that whether we're in attendance means so much for the outcome of the game, right? Okay. <laughs> yes, it does. It does, Jake. You're saying that like you think it doesn't, but it does. And what we wear on game going day to Baylor, also matters. Considering most of us are going to Baylor, uh, we, we can't let this become a thing where it's our fault. Um, all right. Here's the fun question we do every week. Would you have gone to this school if they gave you a full ride? So would you have gone to Texas Christian University if you had been given a full ride? I'm going to say, yeah, probably I would have. Didn't they drop the Christian, though? Isn't it just TCU? Like, they don't go by Texas Christian anymore? Or am I making that up? That's news to me. I think it's a I, running joke where the, where the fans no longer claim it, but le- their legal name is, is still TCU, Texas Christian. Okay. okay. I think this one might be a maybe for me. I was, doing some, I was looking into this while I was preparing for the podcast earlier today. Apparently, they have the number two highest undergrad um, starting salary in Texas, but they didn't have like a source cited for that. So I assume it's after UT and maybe I thought SMU might've been higher than, than them, but I don't know. I don't know how I like living in Fort Worth, but the full ride would help. Um, but I would need the full ride to also include room and board. I don't think I would just <laughs> do it just on tuition. I, I would need, I would need for the whole sure. deal. Fort Worth is an underrated city, in my opinion. I lived there. For yeah, I, I love Fort Worth. Worst place I've I've lived. Worst. I, I like it. I could definitely live there too. <laughs> um, so I, I try to view this question through the lens of me when I was applying to colleges, and I think my answer would be different looking back. But I'm also a yes here. I, I actually wanted to apply to TCU, and my parents were like no, Kevin, money doesn't grow on trees. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, it was the only other college that I was seriously considering applying to. And fun fact, I only applied to one college. 
today. Welcome. Yeah. Um, it is pretty impressive, Kev. One college, one application, you yeah, got in. It's been automatic admission, though. Or he one shot, one kill. <laughs> um, but my cousin actually goes to TCU right now. She loves it. Um, I like Fort Worth um, as a city. But um, a lot of people, like a lot of people from my high school went to TCU. And so, like, for that reason, I just, like, didn't want to go to Alamo Heights University. Um, so I am out on on TCU. Um, just, I, I don't think it would have been a good fit for me. Um, and, yeah, just, uh, just a no for me. All right. Okay. What players are we watching this week? Both teams. Uh, I, I can go first here. So on the Texas offense, the player that I'm going to be watching is the player that's in motion pre-snap. Um, I'm trying to figure out how we do versus when we're in motion and how we do when we're not. But um, I think that the pre-snap motion is probably my favorite thing about the offense. So regardless of who's in motion, I'm going to be watching them. And uh, last night I was watching Sunday Night Football and they were talking about uh, Kyle Shanahan's approach to offense and why Kyle Shanahan goes in motion so frequently. Um, and basically it goes back to, he was preparing early on in his career with a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And that defensive coordinator told him that every time there's a player in motion on offense pre-snap, about four defenders have to make adjustments based on that motion. Um, so I think that it, it gets in the defense's head and it, it helps us you know, get a schematic advantage. So for me, I'll be watching the player that's uh, in motion pre-snap. And when TCU is on offense, I'm going to be watching Zach Evans, their five-star running back, going head-to-head with DeMarvion Overshone, who has is leading our team with 34 tackles right now. So I think Overshone and Zach Evans are going to bump helmets a few times, and we'll see who wins that battle. Yeah, Zach Evans is super talented um in a class of 2020 uh him and Bijan were the top two running backs uh if y'all want to do a little google search uh Zach Evans had a really bizarre recruitment um don't want to list why um on the podcast but uh it's worth the research if you don't know so far uh but he's a big time player he's averaging like almost eight yards a carry um so we got to keep all eyes on him. Um, also, another receiver or another big-time player who is a receiver uh, almost committed to Texas, and at the last second, he uh, ditched us for TCU. Uh, Quinn Johnson, he's a just a big-time player. He had some big catches last year against us, and after um, what Tech was, after what Tech did to us in the secondary, um, you know Patterson is going to go deep. Uh, early and often against our secondary. So uh, he's another big-time player to watch. For me, um, I'm interested in seeing how Joshua Moore plays this game. I mean, he came into the season last year. He led the team in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. And even coming into this season during, you know, Sark's first press conferences – and throughout camp, he, they noted him as a, as a standout in camp. But really, the, the production all season, it just hasn't been there. Um, and I know we've had an explosive offense. 
So it's hard to tell. I haven't really gone through all the films, so I don't know if it's a lack of him getting separation or if he's just been primarily in charge of, you know, blocking downfield or, or being a decoy. Um, I watched Sark's um, presser from earlier today and he, had, he got, actually got asked this and he attributed more to, you know, scheme and bad luck. He noted some defensive holding penalties um, and, and some drops, but Sark still said he had his trust. And so I think that's a good sign. I was looking back at it too. At this point last season, um, he had 19 catches for 283 yards and, and five touchdowns. And this season he only has seven catches for 63 yards and no TDs. Um, so we know he went into the season with it, with that shoulder injury, maybe there's something attributed to that, but definitely want to see how he'll perform against TCU. I don't really know much about their defense, but it'd be awesome to see him come out and, and put on a good showing out there. I'm, I'm with you Bowen on that, that Josh Moore has been a little bit absent, especially on the key plays. It seems like they're, they're trying to get him the ball on downs that, uh, maybe don't matter quite as much. You can see them throwing to Josh Moore early in games so far just to get him involved. But it's been interesting to contrast um, the offensive approach and use of Joshua Moore with that of the freshman Xavier Worthy. If you look back and watch our, our game against Texas Tech, um, a few of the first, you know, the, the first drives in the first quarter where we had big third down plays, they were setting up Xavier Worthy rather than someone that had more seniority or experience like Josh Moore. So um, I, I think that's a, you know, a great interesting player to watch there for sure, because he hasn't been utilized like we expected, um, especially like you said, after Sark's press conferences early on in his tenure at Texas so far. Sark talked about him a lot today in the press conference. I just, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that he might be another player that is about to have a big game too, but uh, as y'all know, or might not know, Gary Patterson likes to dabble uh, with his guitar, um, likes to play some Texas country music. And so uh, the question I wanted to ask y'all this week was, what song would y'all want Patterson to serenade you with? I can go first. Um, so I was going to skip this because I didn't, I don't actually, I didn't know this fact. And then I watched a YouTube video that the guys um, shared and I wouldn't say I was impressed, but I would, I would say <laughs> I was, um, it was interesting to see how seriously he actually takes his performing. Um, so with that, I think it would be cool as I was watching him play to hear him play like an acoustic cover, like outside of his genre, like I'm thinking like take care by Drake, just seeing, just seeing his Ooh. rendition of it. That might be, that might be interesting. Kev, what about you? What do you think? So, uh, easy choice for me. I, I would love to hear Gary, you know, Daddy, play my favorite song, Lips of an Angel by Hinder. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a banger, and I think Gary <laughs> would knock it out of the park. <laughs> you love that song so much. Um, I think Bowen's probably seen this, and he's probably the only one that's seen this. Um, I don't have a TikTok, but I recently saw a couple of videos of the, of the Grace Kelly challenge. Um, is it by Mika Micah? I always forget to, how to pronounce his name. Um, but I would just love to see Patterson trying to sing that with his raspy voice. I think he would be terrible. Um, and, you know, I've, 
see I've seen him succeed against Texas so much recently and and just um put a hurt in my soul. So I just want him to see I just want to see him fail uh for once. Yeah, I, I really don't want to hear him serenade me, so I'm not even gonna give a song. I just don't want to think about him or hear about him or um hear from him. So yeah, I don't really have a song there, but um you know it's time for us to take another break. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. This week we are brought to you by the Longhorn Family Platform. We're excited to announce a first-of-its-kind partnership between Football on the 40 and the Longhorn Family that will be a catalyst for enriched Texas football analysis going forward this season. Founded by Blake and Trent Madden, Longhorn Family is your one-stop shop for family-oriented Texas football banter. Everything Blake touches turns to gold. Subscribe to Longhorn Family today at longhornfamily.substat.com. And we're back. Next up, we have Gambling Corner. So, in terms of last week's game, it was a great performance by Texas. I mean, we single-handedly covered the over of 61.5, and and Texas covered the 7.5 points by by a mile. Um, So, it was a great performance by Texas all around. Um, and we did a great job on our $1,000 picks. So for those of y'all that are just tuning in for the first time, $1,000 picks is our season-long betting segment where we have an imaginary budget of $1,000, what Kev calls them bow coins, that we sprinkle across different bets and just ultimately try to turn a profit. Um, and our week, our first week of, of $1,000 picks, we had great, great return. We got we're up $213.64 on wow. the money that we wagered. We're up, we have, we got a 90.9% ROI on that. Everything hit. We just had to pay the big. So it was a great week for us. So guys, I mean, are we feeling hot? Maybe this week we go into, go into some parlays. That, would, that, that might be interesting <laughs> to see. Do it. I'm, I'm feeling good and, and may consider a parlay because, you know, as someone who who follows the market a little bit, we are we're we're beating the Dow at this point in the same time frame that we've started investing our Bowcoin into uh into these bets. So we're doing great money wise. We'll see how this week goes though. Yeah, I mean ninety percent return on investment is that's that's like crypto level, you know. Hey Bo, are are we sticking only to Texas bets? Because I no, I was a lot of uh uh no on these. Yeah, no, I was actually going to say, so in terms of previewing, we'll go into previewing this week's odds for the game. And then I want to ask what else elsewhere in the league y'all might be interested in. Um, but in terms of this game against TCU, the line opened up at Texas minus four and the over is at 67. This is the closest line we've had all season. Um, and this season, Texas, we're, we're three and one against the spread. And TCU has yet to cover the season. Um, possible trap game maybe and then historically I know it's been highlighted I think touched on by Andy and and some other folks too since joining the Big 12 TCU just kills us you know we're I think we are seven and two against them just record wise but I looked into the from a betting perspective too we're also seven they're also seven and two against the spread so they just not only do we not win against them we don't even cover you know so Pretty, pretty scary from a betting perspective, but um, yeah, I'm curious to see 
what y'all think there. Do y'all do y'all like that minus four? Do y'all like the over? Andy, what do you think? Uh, I, I I'll take Texas. I'll take Texas. Um, I'll take Texas to cover. I'll I'll, I'll place a fifty bow coin on that. All right. Yeah. Fifty bow coin. Well, you yeah. can also take the money line. I mean, it's a pretty pretty small line, so. Um, yeah. If you don't like no, us to win by four points, you can do that too. No, I think we'll win. I'll I'll, I'll go with us for four uh, to cover, cover at least okay. for four. Um, feeling good about that. Um, I mean, if we don't win, I I I don't see us winning by less than four. So um, if we don't hit that, we're going to lose, in my opinion. And um, I don't know if we're doing other games right now, but um, I, I I would take. I'll take a um, – what's the opposite of covering? As you know, I'm not very good in the betting world. Just not covering the spread. Okay. Uh, so, I would take Ole Miss – or I would take Bama to not cover. I, I think Ole Miss uh, is pretty good. and They're going to shock some people. I don't think they're going to win the game, per se, but I, I think it's going to be less than two scores. Nice. Yeah, that was actually one of the games that I was – that stood out to me so that – I have 14 and a half on that line. And then the other one that stood out to me was that Georgia Arkansas line. Georgia's getting 18 and a half points on Arkansas. That's so pretty wild. That's, that's such, such a large spread for, you know, a top 10 matchup. Um, but anyway, yeah. how much, how much do you want on that, Andy, on that, on, on uh, that Ole Miss? Give me, give me 25. I'm not as confident 25. about that as Texas, but yeah, 25. So 75 total. All right. Yeah. I, I um I don't ever bet the under because it's boring and <laughs> you're for people to stop scoring and you lose you lose like there's no coming back from it. Um, but in light of the weather forecast, I do like the under this week. I actually changed my prediction earlier today because I just 67 points is a lot of points if it's storming out there and if the field is wet. So I'm I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident in the under this week actually. How much do you want on it, Jake? How confident are you? I'm $75. 75 buckaroos oh, wow. on the under. Yeah. Nice. Is that house money after last week? Probably. Is Jake bet $50 all house money. last week? Yeah. Kev, what about you? Do you like anything? So I'm, I'm going to go with Jake there. I think that the weather is going to keep the score low. Um, and you guys are really going to dog me for this one, but I'll, I'll take the heat and own this but i'm gonna parlay texas does not cover and the under for uh 50 bow coin so against ourselves yeah yeah so i'm taking i'm taking the under and texas does not cover there like i said earlier i am i am uh not feeling good about this game until i see the team play well on the road um i'll continue to be a little bit skeptical also going back to some of those premier sec matchups this weekend um i also would like to place a bet on the arkansas georgia game um arkansas has done us a huge favor last weekend by um beating a m and and saving us some some flack from our aggie friends but uh what is it week five during the season this is typically the time of year that we we realize or come to the realization that there's a huge drastic gap between really good college football teams and good college football teams. Um, and I, I'm picking Georgia to cover that game, actually. I think it's going to be 
a little bit of a bloodbath and an awakening. We're going to realize that um, Alabama and Georgia are really the premier teams in college football. So I'm going to put 50 boat coin on that. All right, 50 on the on Georgia. And then how much did you want on that parlay, Kev? I think I said 50, right? 50. Okay. Yeah, you said 50. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, I mean. Do you have a Clem- – yeah, I have the Clemson lineup too. I, I think Clemson is trash, and they are 16-point favorites against uh, undefeated Boston College. So I would also take Boston College plus 16 if that's the line you have. Okay. But I Are they to- playing at Clemson? It is at Clemson, but Clemson is not good. So. Okay, how much do you want on it, Jake? Just twenty-five. Twenty-five. All right, nice. We got a lot of we got a lot of money out there on the field this week. Um, I need. I will need to double check on the parlay odds. So I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but let's see. By my count, we got two hundred twenty-five dollars out there. Um, so pretty good. We got a lot of. We got a. Lots, lots in play. Um, as far as what we want looking ahead, I did pull up. There's not that many futures available, but I do have the, the odds that they're giving us for the Big 12, um, for the Heisman, and for the Natty. So I'll just read them out to you. <laughs> Let me know what y'all's thoughts are. We don't need to take them, but I'll just tell you all the odds. So Texas is plus 300 to win the Big 12 game. Oklahoma's favorite, and we have the second best odds right now. Oklahoma is uh, minus 175. Texas is next closest at plus 300. Um, and then Heisman, I guess I can just highlight uh, Bijan is still plus 5,000. I mean, he's the only closest one. I don't think – oh, Casey is plus 10,000. I don't really see – I mean, that, that might be difficult for Casey. <laughs> um, and then for the Natty, well, let me see what Texas is. Texas is uh, – Texas is plus, oh, wow, 7,500 7, for the Natty. So um, anything anything out of those sticking out? Or we can take other players too. So the Bijan one, that's 50 to 1. So that's plus 5,000, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really good odds, I feel like. Yeah, he's dropped. He's dropped considerably, actually, even after the last – like yesterday's or sorry Saturday's performance, um, he's now like the fifth or sixth running back, so it's it's definitely not he's not trending yeah, upwards. So if we want to jump on him, we can jump I on him now. My bet from earlier this summer when I lost my wallet with that same bet. <laughs> All right, I've I like it. I've still got my Bijan for Heisman uh, receipt from Vegas, and I'm feeling good about that one. But on, on that note, I I heard. Sark say in a press conference in the past week that basically he's not interested in personal accolades and changing his strategy so that he can help out one player. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but I think the yards per carry for all our backs really highlights that. And the fact that we keep giving Roshan a lot of opportunities in the red zone, I think that's hurting Bijan's stats. So it's almost like that's totally out of, um, you know, out of Sark's mind at this point. And they're, they're not really doing anything to help Bijan out. So maybe they see next year as the real, the real deal for Bijan. We'll see. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I mean, I, I I agree with that take. I mean, I feel like – say that again, Jake, sorry. If he didn't say that, I would be concerned. Yeah, and, and plus I think that's what will get Bijan, you know, more, more yardage ultimately, just not adjusting it just to, I feel like, 
run him to the ground. And I mean, Sark was the OC at Alabama when Devonta Smith won the Heisman too. So yeah, I think that yeah. would bode well. That's just coach speak. I just disagree. With yeah. Um, wait, is Casey, is Casey really a bad play though? If you think about it, the Heisman usually goes to a quarterback. It does. It, it does. There's just and so if we many win, QBs. Yeah. No, no, but that's if we a good walk, point though. If we went out, which I don't expect us to, but if we did win out, like he would have to be up there, I would think. I think he yeah. would. I think he would be. I think because the odds are, the odds are in the better's favor there. I, I think that that would be a better bet than taking Bijan for Heisman. We could sit, we could put twenty dollars on him, and we'd win two grand if he uh, if he were to win the Heisman. Let's do it. All right, twenty dollars, Casey Heisman. And how much do you want on Bijan for Heisman, Jake? We were creating the Vegas bet. How much did you have on him? Um, I, I mean, I like it. I think I think that the odds are not going to get better. So if you're ever going to bet on Bijan to win the Heisman this year, it's this week. Um, I, I just don't see him dropping further as long as he keeps performing well. So I would I would put I'd put twenty on Bijan as well. All right. Nice. All right. So we have Bowen, like Bowen really really oh yeah really go ahead. quick. Can you give me a line? Can you give me a line on the West Virginia tech game? We talked about this a little bit during our prep, but I think that that's gonna be an interesting barometer for how us and Oklahoma compare because we played those teams last week. Oklahoma obviously underperforms there. So I think that's yeah. one that I would want to want to bet on. Yeah, West Virginia is um projected to win by seven and a half points and, and their over under is at 56 i'll take west virginia there home. for west virginia there to cover with 25 bow coin I like that and that, that'll be mm-hmm. my last bet but so, definitely a game i'll be watching especially with ou on the horizon it'll you know it'll be a nice uh preview of what the skill levels of those teams are and, and how bad really is ou or is west virginia outperforming Nice. I like it. Awesome, guys. So we have close to $300 out there on the on the field. I mean, some of it will be extended beyond next week, but um, I'm pretty happy with where we're at. So as a, as a reminder for those listening, this is a team event. We, it is a single pool of money. And so we are just trying to turn a profit. There were some <laughs> bets made. There were some bets made that, you know, kind of hedge against each other. But, you know, that's all good. And additionally, even though this is a team event, I am tracking individual performance. So we'll see how, how the guys <laughs> fare week, week over week. You know, who's rising to the top, who's kind of dragging us, who's, who's, who's leaking money. And so we'll see how that evolves as we, as we go through the season. I mean, everyone was off to a great start. Everyone won, right? So it was, yeah. uh, it's just a matter of who won the most. But we'll this, I think this will be a good, good test to see you know, who's coming out ahead early on and, and, and really, uh, really helping us out. But, Y'all uh, should be, a, you guys, you guys might yep. be mad at me after this week because I thought we were going a thousand dollars each and I have risked it all <laughs> this week. Yeah. Did not uh, like my bet, but that's okay. <laughs> Y'all should be ashamed if I end up winning the individual prize this year, because the non gambling guy winning would be just, yeah. Pretty embarrassing for y'all. All right. It's the long. It's the long con, Andy. It's just that's how we get you into. That's how we get you into gambling. But yeah, cool. I'll get these bets in. 
Um, but I think Jake will take us into our next segment. All right, Bo, that was that was a great segment. Honestly, probably my favorite. So um, we're going to transition now into uh, the Skip Bayless take of the week, where the more stupid the take, the better. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Uh, Jeff Banks, uh, someone on here had uh, wanted him to be fired. I forgot who. Um, I think it was Kevin. But uh, he's our special yeah, team gone. coach. <laughs> Because he's of our special efficiency. He's our special teams and tight ends coach right now. Uh, he's making a million dollars this year, which is just crazy. Um, but I think he'll be the first coach from this coaching staff uh, to be hired as a head coach, which usually is not the case, but I'm going with it. Interesting. I, uh, so credit to my dad for texting texting me this soon after the TCU game. Um, I see where I get my conspiracy theory uh, genes from. It's definitely from dad, but he texted me that he thought Gary Patterson lost last week versus SMU to set Sark up for identifying fake tendencies and weaknesses in film study this week. Um, people are saying, you know, there's no way that Gary would do that. TCU and SMU really do hate each other. And uh, I'm like, get real, no way. At Gary's, at Gary's funeral, they're going to state his record versus Texas in his eulogy. And I do think Gary would do anything for more Longhorn blood. So my Skip Bayless take of the week is that Patterson uh, threw the game against SMU so that they can get us this weekend. I do, I do want to ask. Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to have to jump in there as a uh, SMU alum, law school. Uh, yeah, no, TCU and SMU hate each other. It's uh, it's a true rivalry. Um, I know TCU's, you know, they've gone to the Big 12. They're like the big brother like us and A&M, but there's still definitely some bad blood there. Um, TCU would not throw that game just to try to beat us. Well, you would know best. Um, I, I, do, I don't want to let us leave this podcast without bringing this up but how much of tcu success against texas is credited to gary patterson how much of it is credited to crystal conti and both <laughs> you know he kind of was there and built up tcu that's why we got him right but just i don't know and is he a double agent working on behalf of the TCU administration in his role here at the University of Texas? Who's, whose side is he really on? Mm. We'll see. We'll see this weekend. I mean, yeah, I think he he really wants TCU to do well and um, be in a not in a Power Five conference anymore. So yeah, yeah. I do think he didn't call them and let them in on the info. All right, guys, we are going to move into our final segment of the day where we give our predictions for this game. Um, I'll start first. I've got, uh, as I said, backed off of our score a little bit. I was expecting higher, higher, uh, higher scoring game, but now I'm thinking Texas 28 to TCU 17. That's what I'm going with. I'm going to stay you know, stay realistic. Some people would call it pessimistic, uh, but I'm here on this podcast being, being myself. 
moderating my expectations. I think, unfortunately, um, we'll be losing this weekend. I have us losing by three, um, 35-38. It'll be a gut punch. It'll be an out-of-body experience. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not rooting for that outcome, but but that's my prediction. It sounds like you're hedging your emotions. I don't like it. That is, that is what I call it. That is what I call it here <laughs> down in Houston. I've been burned so many times. You know, I frequently hedge my emotions. <laughs> I, you know, I expect, you know, when we're like a five, six point underdog that you would bet against Texas, maybe I probably never will, but like we're freaking favorites in this game and you think we're going to lose and you bet against us and you're predicting a loss. Mm. Not, a, not a good look, Kev. Yeah. It's, I, it's controversial for sure. It's controversial, but I got to go with my brain and not my, not my heart on this one. Not a fan. Uh, yeah. I had a lot higher score too, um, along with Jake earlier. Um, uh, but the weather forecast kind of scared me. Um, I, I, I think we do, we do cover, uh, as I said before, I'm going 34, 24 as a win. As long as we win by one point, I'll be happy this week. And, uh, yeah, that's just, just got to win, baby. Yeah, I made my prediction before the weather report, but I think I'll just keep it. I have 44-35 Texas. I think TCU is going to jump out to an early lead because, like Kevin has said many times, we probably just won't show up when we're not at home. But I think we'll start to pull away. Casey's going to keep us in it, and they'll have some last-minute heroics to bring it a bit closer. But I think we still pull out with a, with a win. I hope you're right. Yeah, um, I think we'll win. Uh, I'm pretty confident in this this team. Um, Sark, uh, I think we'll win 31-17. Uh, I just I, I have to believe that after all this time, we're finally going to take this game seriously, prepare. Uh, we're going to pull it out. Awesome stuff, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, thank you all for listening. We are we are having a blast doing this, and uh, we'll keep coming back to you the rest of this football season. Um, until next time, we will see you on the next Football on the 40.